0: Alexander Wright is the visionary driving force behind the creation of the African Heritage Food Co-op and many other innovative community initiatives. He shares over 20 years of stories, anecdotes, and cautionary tales garnered from living life as a black, educated, heterosexual man who has made some of the best and worst decisions. Beautifully flawed, his insight is unique, authentic, and gritty. From good shit to hood shit to bullshit. He's going to cover it all in Quips and Riddles, the hilarity of what is his life. Testing. Welcome to another episode of Quips and Riddles with Alexander J. Wright, J.D. Today, we're going to discuss my color, but not my kind. Sometimes I felt like I have more in common with a poor white person than a rich black one. Sometimes I feel like our elders feel that they are immortal and don't feel the need to pass the baton or are so entitled that If they don't pass the baton to you, then they feel like you don't deserve it. And I think that those things are killing our black community. Because you may have tried to groom someone since they were five to do a job, but it does not mean that that is who they're going to become. It does not mean that that is a person who is going to be the next A, B, C, D, or E. There have been so many businesses in the black community that have died out with that thinking. You had a community kid who came into your restaurant, who would sweep the floor, who would work the cash register, who would sit and learn everything that you had to teach them, but you gave the business to your son or your daughter who had no interest in it. They were in the store too, but the community kid was doing the sweeping. Your kid was trying to be that kid's supervisor, and you allowed it. So now you don't have a business. It's mismanaged, ill-run, because the person who deserved it didn't get it. This is why the cooperative idea is so strong if we do it correctly, because it allows whomever is willing and whomever is going to put the work in to be elevated to the highest levels and the highest positions. I have personally experienced walking in the room with elders and they were checking my family background. Who are you? Who's your father? Who's your mother? Who are your grandparents? What fraternities were they a part of? Um, What organizations were they affiliated with or with which organizations were they affiliated? And, it's been very detrimental, not only to me, but to people who are highly talented. I'll give you an example. So I was a youth pastor at 19 years old. And from that position, I was trying to work with youth in a secular fashion. So like a boys and girls club, a director of a community center. So the city I live in owns many community centers. And this is when I had, I had no record at all. Um, I had graduated from a prestigious high school I was a dean's list. Uh, my average was 3.75. In college, I had a and have a bachelor's degree or bachelor of science in business management. I was a heavy churchgoer, but I didn't go to the right church. I didn't come from the right family. So, I was highly educated, highly motivated, highly um able, but none of that mattered. and it was really dejecting and frustrating because I would see people in the position I was going for who frankly were having sex with whatever council person was running that district for that program or whoever was related. So you would see community centers with five kids in them, six kids in them, 15 kids in them. Because it wasn't done correctly. Now, there's been a shift in at least one where I see things that are moving, and that took 20 years. You know, and I don't know if the person was connected and qualified, so we got lucky. But Those are things that become problematic. And we talk about the black community and we talk about how the black community can move forward, but we ignore things like this, right? We are so oppressed that when we get some authority, we become the oppressor. And I don't understand how we as a people are supposed to thrive with this mentality, Oh, well, forget if you're qualified. Forget if you have the ability. Forget if you are anointed to do the position. You're not my cousin. You're not my brother. You're not my sister. So I can't trust you. And the trust we're looking for is a carte blanche, approval of our shenanigans. Not a realistic delving into the issues. And what's worse, the cousins and sisters and whomever we put in position aren't even qualified, aren't even willing. So they half-assed the job and make it difficult for us to be in the position in which we need to be in to compete. Because other communities are sending their kids to business school, and those kids have an understanding to come back and run the business and move it forward. We're dealing with folks who are gifted businesses And have this feeling of entitlement. Whereas the business is lucky to have them. As opposed to they are fortunate to be in the business. And it's sad. And it's frustrating. And we complain so much about people outside of our culture. Who are damning us but we need to complain more and push back more on the folks inside of our culture that are damning us. You know, and it's funny that a white rapper said this line, right? You know, the ones who hate me the most look just like me. And you experience that. I remember walking in the rooms and people looking at me like, how did you get the invitation? Who let you know that this meeting was happening? How do you know my boss? Right? And what's weird is, it's always the gatekeepers who have the problem with you. Right? For the most part. It's the folks who are underqualified and are so happy to be in their position but not happy the right way, right? Where God blessed me in this position, so let me bless as many people as I can. No, they're happy to be in a position because it gives them power. And they can deny access to whomever they would like to deny access. And they can grant access to whomever they want to grant access. And I've seen this in my city time and time again. So you have some of the best and the brightest of us who are locked out of the system, who are locked out, and they always have reasons. Well, this person has this, or this person did that, or this is on their record, or this is, they don't have this degree, or they didn't do that. And, and they say that for the people they deny. But when you look deep into the people that they accepted, they have some of those same issues. They have drug problems. They've been to prison. They have felonies. They have misdemeanors. They have tickets. They're just out and out curmudgeons. And, but because they're on the inside, that's okay. And there's no accountability for that. Also, With our elders. We need our elders to understand that they are not immortal. We need our elders to understand that times change, people change, and how you deal with them morphs and becomes different. And it's tough walking this fine line of our elder respect when some of our elders feel that they can haze you. They feel that they can belittle you. They feel that they have your life in the palm of their hands and they can destroy you or create you. And I need our black elders to understand that you're not God. And and what's wild is when you were young, you've gone through this. And now you've been successful and you've moved so far away from it that you forget that. You forget the struggle. You forget what it's like for people not to believe in you. You forget what it's like for an elder to have a grudge against you and try to lock you out. Because if you were talented and you were moving forward, I'm sure that happened to you. And you stood up and said that that person was wrong, and here you are, shoe on the other foot, and you're doing the same thing. And you wonder why young people have run away and backed off. Even your own grandchildren, your own children. Right? And you bring those folks in And you're like, oh, well, bring your friends. Bring other young people. We need new blood. We need new voters. We need new canvassers. We need new political action committees. People. Not new political action committees. You want new people in your old. You know, the Bible says you can't pour new wine in old skins. And a lot of y'all go to church every Sunday, Wednesday or Friday. But you're trying to pour new wine in old skin. And you wonder why this shit busts open. You wonder why things don't go how they're supposed to go. I have a lady in the community who hates me. She wants to erase all of my work. She wants to destroy the company and the nonprofits I've built. All because she feels slighted. And what's crazy is, she really has no reason to feel slighted. She and I were on two opposite sides of a development issue and she could not differentiate us being on different sides from me hating her personally. So she has been on a tirade against me, spreading misinformation, spreading lies, innuendo, and playing a victim And what our elders need to understand is a lot of people have a sympathetic ear for our aging community. And we always want to fight for you and we always want to be on your side. So when you abuse that, it's tough for us to even comprehend your level of abuse. So as a younger person, my hands are tied because if I rail and scream against this elder, I look like a bully. And when I try to to show the facts against her misinformation, she plays a victim. So it's very difficult for us as younger people to overcome those things. So what we usually do is separate, create our own thing, and to move forward. But some of you are so spiteful and evil that you won't even let us do that. Because you feel away unjustly mostly. Because I think that, like I've never called this person out of their name. I've never raised my voice. I've answered any and all questions. And when I answer a question, she has more questions. And I answer that question. Then she has more questions. And it becomes very apparent that it's not about me being transparent. It's about trying to catch me in a lie or trying to force untruth upon me. And it's hard. It's hard to be a young person from a non-noble family a non-known family, a non-wealthy family who comes from these streets, who comes from the gutter and is trying to do something and achieved it and and, and moved beyond the naysayers. When I began the co-op, we didn't have any local support. All of the support was national and outside of Buffalo because the people in Buffalo didn't believe in it. The funding sources from the funders to the city to some of the churches, they all thought I was crazy in that it was a business model that people couldn't understand And that it would never happen. But I invested my blood, my sweat, my tears, my own money. You know, I mortgaged things. I sold stuff in my house to make it happen. And then when we finally get support, and we finally get push. People who would have spit on me as soon as looked at me, were coming out of the woodwork to try to control it. And not to put any sweat equity in it. Not even the sign. So that we can take um, SNAP benefits. But to come in and control and push me away. Because I was insignificant in their eyes. And I didn't mean anything in their eyes. Which is weird because... I'm formally better educated than most people who are in executive director positions. I have more experience than a lot of individuals. I had to build from nothing. I wasn't given a board. I wasn't given uh, a, a name or an organization. I had to build it from scratch out the mud with very few people helping me and a lot of people trying to stop it. I faced rebellion in staff where they thought that because I was kind to them and nice to them that I was weak. I have tried to work with people where they've asked me to hire folks. I've hired folks, and those people didn't do any work. And instead of the people who recommended them, Taking accountability, they damned me. It's crazy what you go through when you're trying to build, create, and work in our community. You fight the people you're fighting for, but what's worse, You fight people that look like you. And what's wild is they look like me, but they share none of my experiences. A lot of people in these higher-up positions that are black have never been hungry, have never been homeless, have never had parents who dealt with addiction, have never been a SNAP EBT recipient have never had holes in their shoes. But these folks are the folks we give money to to help people who are in those conditions. And we wonder why it doesn't work because they have no idea what those folks are going, to, going through. They have no idea what those people need. Zero. Zero. And that's the damnable misery of it. Folks are my color, but not my kind. They've never experienced these things. And they haven't done the work to educate themselves on these things. I worked with this, these farms. And um, farm with white lead and wanted to do work in the community. I spoke and said, hey, if you want to do work in the community, then you need to have people from the community working in this establishment. You're you're smack dab in a minority section. So you need to, you know, connect. This person brings in this African-American woman which seemed nice until I began to speak to her. And what I found out is that she was adopted and that she has never been in the inner city. Her people and the folks around her have never been African American. She's was raised out in a country setting around no one who looked like her. And these folks still raise Confederate flags and vote Jim Crow conservative. So this is the person that you're bringing to the neighborhood to connect to people? That's never going to happen. That's never going to work. And you do that as an excuse because you say, oh, well, we did it this way with a black person. It didn't work, so we might as well give it back to our white cousins. And I've been calling out this in our community for, you know, 20 years. But you started listening eight years ago. So is very problematic. If not just enough to be black, if not enough to be a minority. You know, we have a Republican candidate who is officially a minority, but has said racism doesn't exist and then double back and said that a dove exists when it benefits her. And we can't put people in positions that can choose to be black because that's a different experience or choose to have a black experience. A traditional black experience in our country which is predominantly negative. So, right now, I have so much more work to do, and so many more things to do, but we have people who look like me, but aren't me, who have problems. Sometimes that happens from folks from refugee communities. Um, No, actually, who are from the continent of Africa, who don't know what it's like to be African American, who have never faced Jim Crow, who who don't understand what it's like to be an African American in this country. And they're not treated the same as we are. And often, the powers that be will embrace them differently because they don't have the same hatred for them. They don't have the same checkered history. So they bring them, they uplift them, and they say, look at this black person made it. This person who's never worked for free for a country that sits on them in every opportunity. This person whose grandfather, both grandfathers, went out and fought for this country and came home and were called niggers and were told that they couldn't sit in certain places and they couldn't be and that they were less than men And whose grandparents had to be part of a flight from the deep south to come here, to come north and work in the Bethlehem Steel, in the plants, to have an opportunity, who weren't paid the same wages, who weren't allowed in the same unions. They don't have that history. So, yeah, some of us are angry. We should be angry. You are angry at the English. But we can't be angry. And the English didn't enslave the colonies, the English taxed the colonies. And that was enough for Revolutionary War. What about enslavement? What about rape? And I get religious persecution. But were they raping you for your religion? Were they making you work and keeping the proceeds? Were they buying and selling you? To the extent that you did us. So there's a lot in what's happening, not only in my city, but in other cities. And people are broken, people are hurting, young people want to be a part, but they're tired of being victimized. And I'm not talking about the ones who want to just, who want something for free. And I'm not talking about the folks who don't carry their weight. Because that's your excuse. And that's not real life. And I would say this, elders who understand and who get it, why aren't you checking the other ones? Why are you standing up saying, sit down and shut up? Because we need you. And quiet is kept, you need us. Because it's not going to be the ungrateful that make sure you have Social Security. It is not going to be the entitled who are going to make sure that this city takes care of you and takes care of the people in the communities you care about. It's going to be the ones who grew up similar to how you grew up. It's going to be the ones who have checkered records. It's going to be the ones who have been abused and beaten up by the system and still stand and care about the city. It's going to be us that are going to be the ones they're going to make sure that your legacy continues. It reminds me of the story when the person asked God to save them from drowning, and God sent a the boat. They said, no, the boat goes, uh, God's going to bless me. A helicopter comes, no, no, God's going to bless me. Something else shows up. Nope, nope, keep that. God's going to bless me. The water rises and the person dies. They get to heaven and they say, God, I thought you were going to bless me. And God says, who do you think sent the boat in, in the helicopter and everything else? A lot of our elders are looking. Who is going to do this? Who's going to be the person? Who can I pour into? Who can I bring close to me? Who can I show the way? And God keeps bringing us to you. But you reject us because we are not what you think. We are not as shiny as you want us to be. We are not as proper as you want us to be. But the thing is, is God knows our heart. God knows who we are. And we are here working for our people in our community when no one's watching, when the cameras are turned off. And that shiny nickel that you're looking at is only going to work when action news is on them. So don't die and get to heaven and say, God, where are the people that I could have poured into? And then have him name us right? And better yet, don't miss heaven because you judged us and you had no idea and no clue who we really were. Bye.